0: Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. As Real Estate Guys, we look at a lot more than just real estate. This week we're looking at what's going on at the Federal Reserve, and we're not just talking about the interest rate change, there's more to see under the hood on Clues in the News today on the Real Estate Guys radio program. The Real Estate Guys are throwing a party, and you're invited. Join us at the New Orleans Investment Conference, November 1st through 4th. Now in its 45th year, it's the nation's longest-running investment conference and features some of the biggest names in economics and investing, including Doug Casey, Dennis Gartman, Rick Rule, and Peter Schiff. The Real Estate Guys are speaking in multiple sessions, attending lots of others, and we're hosting a hospitality suite one of the evenings for our friends and listeners, including some VIPs for you to mingle with. So make plans today to join the Real Estate Guys at the New Orleans Investment Conference. With everything going on in the world, no serious investor can afford to miss it. For all the details, send an email to New Orleans at RealEstateGuysRadio.com, and it will tell you how to get upgraded tickets and join the party. That's Orleans at RealEstateGuysRadio.com and we'll see you in Nolan's. Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio show. I'm your host, Robert Helms. With me, as usual, financial strategist, co-host Russell Gray. Hey, Robert. Hopefully, by now, you've had a chance to read our uh, newsletter this week, but uh, I guess I would say the last week, depending on when you're listening to the show. But uh, every few weeks, we like to do what we call clues in the news. There's things that catch our attention, and we look at them and analyze what's going on in a financial market or in a geographic market and say, what does that mean to me? What does that mean to real estate investors? And boy, this last week was pretty busy in news. And uh, certainly, I I guess maybe to get it out of the way, let's talk about uh, the Fed and interest rates real quick.
1: Well, yeah. So the Fed came out and they dropped interest rates by 25 basis points, which is one quarter of one point. And they don't really actually drop interest rates because they don't really set interest rates. What they do is they set a target and it's a range. And so they dropped the high end of the range down 25 basis points. I think it's 1.75 now. And then what they do is they manipulate markets, actually, and they go into markets through their open market uh, operations, and they buy and sell bonds uh, in order to manipulate those, those interest rates because the yield on a bond, the interest rate, if you will, is inverse to the price. So if you bid up the price, it bids down the yield and conversely if you don't get a strong bid then interest rates rise
0: just like by the way just the way same way cap rates work with you know any kind of real estate asset if there's more money chasing the asset so the price goes up but the income stays the same you have a reduction of the capitalization rate or the return because we're paying more for the same amount of return well it's the same thing in the bond market except When you think about what a bond is, you are essentially buying debt, meaning the bond exists and now you put money out to buy a bond or a piece of a bond and you receive income from that and it's at some rate. And if you change the price for which that bond gets sold for that same stream of income, what happens is the rate changes.
1: And the thing is, when you understand this, because I'm sure many people listening have heard about negative interest rates in the world, and think, my God, who in the world would loan money to somebody and accept back less than the principal amount? Why would anybody do that? And effectively, when you buy a negative interest rate bond, that's what you're doing. Well, the reason is, it's the same reason as a overzealous real estate investor would go overpay for a house, and it doesn't. Provide positive cash flow. It provides negative cash flow. They're not investing for the income. They don't care about the yield. They're speculating. On the price. Now, of course, in, in the case of real estate, you have the opportunity through your own efforts to fix the property up, to reposition the tenants, uh, to do better marketing, to provide better customer service. So you can actually change the income uh, on the property through your efforts. So I would argue that it makes a whole lot more sense to buy a negative cash flow property than it would a negative cash flow. Bond because the bond is what the bond is. So the reason somebody would do it is because they think that the rates are going to fall even further negative and that that therefore would cause the value of the bond to go up, the principal value. The income doesn't go up, but the less of a loss is actually becomes more valuable. It's extremely perverse. It is very counterintuitive and it's unprecedented really in human history. And so we're living in really, really strange times right now. Okay, before
0: we get any further, though, let's let's stick on this because this is weird. To, it's hard to get your mind around. But the, the first thing we wanted to talk about today was the fact that the Fed has changed the target rate, lessened it, lowered the rate, 25 basis points. That's a quarter of a percent. And so what is the effect of that? On a real estate investor.
1: So it used to be different than it is today. And so I'm going to try to make this clear. And and sometimes it can be confusing. But if you just understand that yields, uh, which are interest rates on bonds, are a function of supply and demand, as we just covered. So when money floods into the bond market, it means that the interest rates come down. When money leaves the bond market, it means interest rates go up up so normally when the fed lowered interest rates it was bullish for stocks people would sell their bonds and they would move into stocks and the downward pressure on the bonds would actually cause yields to rise and so when i was in the mortgage business in the old days People would think, oh, the Fed just lowered interest rate, therefore mortgage rates are going to go down. But really the opposite is what would happen. And I would watch it happen on a daily basis and people didn't understand that. Today it's different because the money that's moving around isn't coming from the market. What the Fed is doing is putting more money into the system. And so it's not a function of the money that people have saved because people aren't saving right now at these yields moving from either a stock position or a bond position. It means that investors are playing with new money that's in the system and they both go up. Bonds go up. And stocks go up. And so what's been going on for maybe the last decade has been a big infusion of money into bonds. And so much money has gone into bonds that it has driven interest rates, yields, down, to the tune of there's, I think, $17 trillion of negative yielding bonds in the global economy. So there's about $250 trillion of total bonds out there. $17 trillion of them are negative yield.
0: Hard to even get your mind around that.
1: Yeah, but it's important to understand because, you know, at the end of the day, a real estate investor is a user of the tool of debt. And the primary cost of doing business is interest rates. And the bond market is what affects interest rates. And the Fed is the most powerful influence on the bond market and interest rates.
0: All right. So what you just said is this is exactly why as real estate investors, we have to pay attention to the bond market. We have to pay attention to what the Fed is doing. And we should watch other investment categories like stocks and oil and gas and metals. Because to be a well-rounded investor, see, all these things play together and play off each other. Like that relationship we used to see really strongly between the stock market and the bond market. Now, not every time, but really strongly for a long time. So you're studying that, it helps you decide which direction to take. So please don't tune out because we're not talking directly about real estate. We're definitely gonna get there. It's just to understand when you hear in the news, well, the Fed lowered interest rates, does that mean that it's time to refinance your home? Well, possibly, it depends on what happens based on the people who took that information and interpreted it. One of the things I think also, Russ, that's kind of a change, at least from my layman's perspective, is almost every time the Fed makes a move, you read that it was already in the market. The market had already expected it. So when they did it, you didn't see a huge you know, effect that day in the markets because it was kind of baked in. I remember when we were first studying financial craziness that it was not like that. There'd be an announcement in the stock market and the bond market would react the next day. Now it's as though, well, they've already known. They've already planned for this.
1: Well, information travels a lot faster. I think people are a lot more savvy. Computers are making a lot of the decision and their reactions are very, very predictable because they're all algorithms. Uh, and there's some other issues and I won't even go into all that. But I want to come back to that point about about the interest rates and about the importance of studying the bond market as a real estate investor uh, because of the cost of doing business and the effective interest rates. That used to be the major reason to do it. But after 2008, people say, oh, the real estate market crashed. No, the real estate market didn't crash. The bond market crashed. And the bond market took the real estate market with it. Right, And that's what a lot of people don't understand that. I didn't understand that. I mean, I was watching the bond market and I understood interest rates and I understood what the Fed was doing. And I was in the mortgage business and I kind of thought I had my head around it. And then all of a sudden one day wipe out all these mortgage companies are gone because the credit markets completely seized up. In other words, the bond market went no bid. When that happens, then the interest rates fly to the moon and collateral, the value, the principal value of the bonds collapse. So let me just explain this so you understand what happened in 2008, which relative to what could happen today is small potatoes. What happened is when when I have a bond, I buy a bond, I trade my money, I buy the bond. That bond now is sitting on my balance sheet as an asset. The person who issued the bond, it's an IOU, it's a liability. Now I have it on my balance sheet as an asset, but it's only good if the person who issued the bond actually pays. That's number one. Now I take this asset on my balance sheet and I borrow against it. I pledge it as as collateral the same way you pledge the title to your property as collateral in order to get a mortgage. And so now I have a debt against this asset, the bond that somebody else's debt And then I've created a new debt that I now owe to somebody else that they put on their balance sheet as an asset. And so you have these balance sheets that are all daisy-chained together that are all very dependent upon the collateral value. And unlike real estate, where if the value falls... Nobody calls, you just keep making your mortgage payment and it's fine. Your house can be underwater and you can sit there underwater for 10 years, make your mortgage payment, someday you pay it off and you own a house, no problem, right? But in the bond market, when you pledge a bond uh, as collateral and then the interest rates go up, which means the bond values drop, now you're underwater on that loan and you get a margin call. That means you need to raise cash fast. And when you have to raise cash fast and you're a leveraged investor, the thing about Wall Street and most investors that are heavy users of leverage, they despise having cash because cash is idle. So what they want to do is they want to lever up everywhere they can. I know that's what I did. That's what I was doing back before 2008, totally levered up because you don't want any idle cash. You say, well, if I have any liquidity needs, I'll just borrow. That is 100% dependent upon healthy credit markets. So as real estate investors, we pay close attention to the health of the credit markets because the problem is is when if, if something shifts in, in the marketplace for whatever reason, it could be, oh, the Saudi oil fields just got bombed and everybody needs cash. It could be some other thing that nobody thought would happen. Trade war with China. It could be, who knows, something happens. Now, all of a sudden, everybody's scrambling for cash. And if for some reason there's not enough cash to go around, and the credit market sees up, now everything is on sale, and it's a fire sale, and it's a it's a chain reaction, and the and the market seizes up, and so the Fed knows that, central banks around the world know that, Wall Street knows it. Now even guys like you know Main Street investors like Robert and me, we know it, and we watch. Well, something happened this week that hasn't happened since 2008. That's got a lot of people nervous.
0: That right there is a clue, right? If something happened in the financial markets that hasn't happened since 2008, that's a clue. We're going to tell you what it is when we come back. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Live nationwide, you're listening to the Real Estate Guys.
2: Find out more at realestateguysradio.com.
3: Do you have a self-directed IRA invested in a syndication? Guess what? It's a ticking time bomb. Why? Because IRAs get hit with UBIT taxes, even Roth IRAs. Hi, I'm Damian Lupo, and we fix this problem for you forever. It gets even better because using the EQRP, you can literally get rid of taxes from all of your gains forever and protect your nest egg. The EQRP is the best vehicle to get it done. IRAs can't do it, not even Roth IRAs. You see, UBIT happens whenever any type of IRA invests in anything with debt. Don't worry. Even if your IRA is already invested in a deal, we can kill that tax. Our team at Total Control Financial is here to give you control of your retirement money and free you from that deadly IRA tax forever. Want to learn more about the eQRP? Send an email to eQRP at realestateguysradio.com. I'll email you my special report and send you a copy of the QRP book. Paying a 37% UBIT tax is stupid. First step to getting rid of that tax is to send an email to eQRP at realestateguysradio.com today.
0: When it comes to successful rental property investing, it pays to be picky. Pick the right markets, pick profitable properties, and pick great property management. That's easier said than done, but we've got great news. Jerry Curran's rockstar team at Mid-South Homebuyers are going strong in Memphis, Tennessee, and Little Rock, Arkansas, too. So for a top-notch turnkey single-family home rental property, whether you're a new investor or have a large portfolio already, pick Terry Kerr and Mid-South for a truly A-plus investing experience. To learn more, send an email to midsouth at realestateguysradio.com. That's midsouth at realestateguysradio.com. Hi, I'm Robert Kiyosaki and I encourage you to listen to those wild and crazy real estate guys. They're the best, they've worked in for years and they know what they're talking about. Welcome back to the Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. Hey, come on out and join us at the New Orleans Investment Conference, where we'll talk about all kinds of great things, including real estate. Happens the first week of November, and to get all the details and be invited to our super cool party, just send an email to New Orleans at we For talking today, it's our Clues of the News show about the strange actions of the Fed. It used to be easy to figure all this stuff out, and hopefully you're still with us because Russ has his mind around the financial concepts and does a great job of making it understandable and the big news believe it or not wasn't that the fed lowered the rate the big news and you saw it in our newsletter that came out that said the fed pumps 200 billion dollars into the system in three days it's been longer than three days and it's been more money what the heck is going on russell gray
1: so it's just crazy so first of all just to put this in perspective Basically, what the Federal Reserve does is they put money into circulation and they carry the liability of that on their balance sheet. If you look at your little dollar bills in your, in your wallet, it's this Federal Reserve note. It's a liability. So all this liability is on the Federal Reserve's balance sheet. So when you hear people talking about the Fed's balance sheet, that gives you an idea kind of about how much money is running around in the system. All right. So in the run-up to 2008, the Fed's balance sheet was $800 billion. This is like 2007, $800 billion. So even though we throw numbers around like, you know, hundreds of billions and trillions of dollars, like they're nothing, like they're pocket change, $800 billion was all the money there was in 2007. Now, when the subprime market blew up the bond market because they started defaulting, people lost faith in the quality of the mortgage-backed securities collateral, as I just explained before the break – and people had to start raising cash and nobody would bid on these things. The bond market went no bid and prices were collapsing everywhere. The credit market seized up. It was a train wreck. To fix that problem, and there was about $1.2 trillion of subprime mortgages. To fix that problem, the Fed had to take their balance sheet from $800 billion to $4.5 trillion. And it took it took time, but it was it was huge. It was unprecedented. And then when they through quantitative tightening tried to bring it back down, they couldn't go very far before the world ran out of money. So what happened the other day is that the repo market, what's called the repo market, the repurchase market, dried up, and people were going in to raise short term cash, and there was no money. So before everybody's eyes glaze over. Let me just put kind of what the repo market is in just really simple terms to understand. I call it the pawn shop where Wall Street traders go to hawk a bond. What happens is you, you're short on cash for whatever reason and you need a little cash. So you just go throw a bond in there, get some cash, do what you want to do with the cash and come back the next day and um, redeem the bond or buy it back. And for for a little bit of premium for, for for the convenience of having the cash. And presumably whatever you did with the cash was a trading position that you made more money on than it cost of capital. So it's the same thing that real estate house flippers do, but just it, it all happens in a day instead of over the course of several months. Does that make sense so far?
0: Yeah. So hang hang on a second. Here's the concept. Remember that bond that you hold is valuable because it has a rate of return. There's a payment associated with it. It's a poker chip in the Wall Street casino. Right. So there's there's definitely a value of it. And so you're essentially walking into this pawn shop with your bond. It's worth something saying, I'll pledge this if you'll give me some cash and I'll pay it back tomorrow. So why would, you, why would they need to pay it back tomorrow? Well, you hear about the overnight lending rate and financial institutions that need to scurry money back and forth, and it's not talked about a ton, but you kind of have a cursory understanding of it. It's because these various financial institutions have ebb and flow in their business. Sometimes they're cash rich, sometimes they don't have enough cash. You probably know that every dollar that's on an account statement for a bank customer is not sitting in a vault in cash. Your favorite movie in the, in the world Russ. You know there could be a run on the bank. Yeah, that's right. And the, the bank doesn't have all the money, but they rarely, if ever, need all the money. But what happens is if they do, this is one of the mechanisms by which they can get that money short term.
1: Yeah, so think of the repo market again. pawn shop, maybe overdraft protection for Wall Street traders, whatever you want to call it. But the point is is that you're actively working in the market, doing your trading, keeping a vibrant market. And here's the thing. healthy markets require certain components. There has to be cash, there has to be assets, there have to be buyers, there have to be sellers. And there has to be trust. And all of these things have to exist in abundance for markets to be vibrant, for there to be liquidity, so that a seller can walk into a market with confidence and know that they can sell and there will be a buyer and there will be cash and the cash will be good and the transaction will happen fairly. So all of these components are necessary. If any one of them breaks down, then the system locks up until people fix whatever the problem is. What happened on September 16th was... People showed up into the repo market and there wasn't enough cash. And so in order to get the cash, they had to start bidding up or discounting what they were selling. And what happened is interest rates went all up to nearly 10%, 10%. And the Fed's target is like two. So the Fed had to step in and they pumped in $53 billion the first day, 53 billion. Now remember, their whole balance sheet was $800 billion leading up to 2007. So they had to pump in $53 billion day one, wasn't enough. Came back the next day, put in another 75 billion, not enough. They came back the third day, put in 75 billion more. Now they're up to $200 billion in three days, still not enough. And then they come out, they lower the rates. They did that before the third injection. And then they came back and they go every single day of the following week, we're going to put in another 75 billion. (laughs) So anybody paying attention is like, We just ran out of money. There's not enough dollars. They had to pump in billions of dollars, hundreds of billions of dollars to put enough liquidity into the system so that people don't start freaking out. Now, the question is, is why did that happen? Well, nobody knows right now. This is the big mystery. This is what we're watching. It's like, gee, what's going on here?
0: Right. There's some speculation about uh, different events happening at the same time because it was near a tax period and corporations needed to pay their estimated taxes. And then, oh, there's this other event over here. But
1: like that's never happened before in the last 11 years. Right.
0: Exactly. It
1: it makes no sense. I mean, if you understand what's going on, you look, okay, so somebody had to pay taxes. How is that unusual? And didn't corporations just get a tax cut? And
0: don't they have bookkeepers that are anticipating this? doesn't make sense to me. Well, you know, the interesting thing, if you got our newsletter, you saw the chart of where that interest rate goes. And it's almost always just hovering there at the bottom at, you know, 2% or whatever. And, you know, it's like we think, well, who would loan money at that? Well, there's all kinds of folks that are sitting on big chunks of cash and they're only loaning it overnight. So, if they can make, again, 2%, not 2% a night, 2% as an annualized rate, it's not a lot of money, but it's better than nothing. And the money's sitting there doing nothing.
1: Well, it's a law of large numbers, too, Robert. I mean, as we talk about this in real estate, there's a reason why financial people talk about things in terms of basis points, which are 1/100th of a percent. And the reason they do that is because they they deal in these small fractions over huge amounts of money that are flowing through the machinery. And so the bottom line is a lot of actual dollars, absolute dollars. So some people say, "Oh, I wouldn't, you know, never do a deal for only 10%." Well, you know, if it's a 100 billion dollar deal, maybe you would. Right? Right? You you might need to get 35 or 40 or 50 if you're doing a million dollar deal or a 100,000 dollar deal cuz to make it worth your time. But again, it, these guys just play at a whole different level. Uh, and it's very fast and it's there's there's it's just there's a lot of There's a lot of moving parts, but again, I go back to the same notion I said before, which is that it's got to have these key components. You have to have buyers, you have to have sellers, you have to have cash, you have to have assets, and you have to have trust. And when any of those break down, other ones go with it, right? Because if there's no cash, you can't have buying and selling. And people are like, well, what good is a marketplace? I don't trust it if I can't come in. So the Fed is injecting cash to restore confidence in a financial system that is 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 showing some real uh, frailty and this is something we've been talking about for boy, at least six years now, but we did that whole two-day event, The Future of Money and Wealth, where we went more into detail on it because it seemed like everybody was howling about how great the economy is. And, And economically, from an activity point of view, and you could GDP and things, you can say, oh, the economy's doing great. Okay, stock market doing great. That's the economy. But the system, the financial system, that economy is resting on is like a foundation of your your building and you know if you go and do a building inspection when you buy a property as you should and the inspector comes back and says you've got a serious crack in your foundation you can't build much on top of that until you fix that problem and if you don't fix that problem and some adverse weather or earthquake or something comes along you, you could lose your whole building. Well, this is like having this thing in the repo market is like having a big crack in your foundation. And <laughs> the Fed is in there with $200 billion worth of, uh, you know, quick great trying to patch that sucker up as quick as they can. Well, they try to figure out why did it crack in the first place.
0: We're talking today about these crazy moves by the Federal Reserve and what it means to you. When we come back, we'll talk about What does that mean to you as a real estate investor and what can you do about it, if anything? We'll also play Real Estate Trivia next. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Real estate investment advice right in your mailbox.
2: Sign up for the free Real Estate Guys newsletter at realestateguysradio.com.
0: Hey, it's Robert Helms thanks so much for listening to the show today I want to personally invite you to come see an amazing real estate market that combines excellent cash flow offshore diversification and what we affectionately call lifestyle investing come join me from November 15th to 18th in the beautiful country of Belize the real estate guys have been bringing investors to Belize for more than 14 years now and our discovery trip is designed to show you the market like nobody else can Sure, Belize is breathtakingly beautiful, the people are wonderful, and wait till you taste the food. But the real opportunity is the real estate investment potential. 2018 was the biggest year in tourism Belize has ever witnessed and this year is coming on strong. How does that translate to real estate investment? That's what you have to come see. There's all types of opportunity in Belize including both long and short term rentals, commercial and retail triple net properties, business opportunities, land acquisition, development, agriculture and more and as the only country in Latin America with English as its official language it's easy to understand the law. Property rights are strong and contracts are in English. And in Ambergris Key a unique situation exists where demand for rentals continues to outstrip supply creating a compelling environment for investors. So come see for yourself join me November 15th through 18th in Ambergris Key Belize as we study the market, learn about the sustainable drivers and tour lots of beautiful real estate. And like all of our field trips, there are no properties for sale during the weekend. Rather, you'll meet lots of local providers that will help educate you about the market so that you can follow up with them after the trip if the market is interesting to you. But that ball's in your court. You'll receive their contact details, but they won't receive yours unless you give it to them. You've heard about Believes in the Real Estate Guys for all these years. Now come see what all the excitement is about. Plus, we'll have lots of time over meals and activities to talk about all things real estate. To get the details, go to the website at realestateguysradio.com and click on Events where you'll find the Belize Discovery Trip. Once you register, you'll get information about our group hotel rates as well as travel details. So join me in Belize, November 15th through 18th. It's a beautiful country with lots of amazing possibilities and the only thing missing is you. Go to realestateguysradio.com under Events. I look forward to seeing you in beautiful Belize.
1: Hey, I'm Jim Grant. I am uh, the editor and, and indeed the founder of Grant's Central Trade Observer. And you, ladies and gentlemen, you lucky people, are listening to The Real Estate Guys.
0: Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks so much for listening to the show today. Tell a friend about The Real Estate Guys because we need more listeners. Let's spread the news and the wealth. We're talking today about clues in the news, specifically the Federal Reserve and all this talk of the repos. It's not like Repo Man the movie. I, I thought maybe real estate trivia we do a Repo Man, but there's just not good real estate trivia in that that movie, as great of a movie as it is. Speaking of which, it's time to play Real Estate Trivia, your chance to win a prize by knowing today's Real Estate Trivia question, which definitely has something to do with real estate. As soon as you hear the question, thinking of the answer, you're gonna send us an email that gives us your name, your physical mailing address, and the answer to the question. And we need your address because we're going to send you a prize if you're the first person that gets it right. We've got a great book for you called Passionistas, Tips, Tales, and Tweetables from Women Pursuing Their Dreams. One of these collections of amazing stories. You're going to dig it. That can be yours if you know today's real estate trivia question. Last week, we had Tim Hubbard on the show talking about short-term rentals. And we asked this, where is the oldest hotel in the United States? Well, I told you there were two different answers, and here's why. The oldest hotel in the United States, opened in 1651. It's called the Hotel El Convento in San Juan, Puerto Rico. And believe it or not, the real estate guys have held a Summit at Sea alumni dinner in that hotel. Now, it's based, the name El Convento is based on the fact that the building originally was a convent. Now, the reason that that isn't the only answer is that at the time that hotel was built, Puerto Rico was not a U.S. territory, but right now, it is the oldest hotel in the United States. In the United States proper, Concord's Colonial Inn opened in 1716 in Concord, Massachusetts. They've had lots of people stay there over all those years, including J.P. Morgan, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, and Henry David Thoreau. Here's our real estate trivia question for this week. And it's finally a practical real estate trivia question. Which U.S. state has the highest average lifespan for pets? Yeah, there's one state out of the 50 states that your pet will live the longest if you live there. Wouldn't that be good information to know? Well, you'll get to find out the answer next week. But right now, if you think you know or just want to guess, send your best guess to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Trivia at realestateguysradio.com. We need your name. The answer to the question and your mailing address, the first person that gets it right, gets passionistas, tips, tales, and tweetables from women pursuing their dreams. That's today's real estate trivia question. We like to pursue what's happening in the world in headlines, we call it clues in the news, and today... It really is going hand in hand with our newsletter. We're talking about the $200 and counting that has been injected into the system. And I think, Russ, you mentioned something early in the show that it's probably time to discuss, and that is it's the first time this has happened since 2008.
1: Yeah. It's an indication of a liquidity crisis. I mean, that's the whole point of it. We don't have enough dollars. And when a situation goes no bid, you have to ask yourself why. When the Fed has to step in as the buyer of last resort, they always say they're the lender of last resort, but really they're like the buyer of last resort. I mean, there's still all kinds of toxic mortgages and things on the Fed's balance sheet. Uh, they've not been able to clear off. The market has not been able to absorb them. And so when market sees up like this, it stops lending. It stops credit. It stops faith. You know, the banks no longer trust each other. They're not willing to accept collateral. Uh, they're not confident that if they They put their money into any form of an asset that they can get back to cash, so they hoard cash. It changes the way the market participants look at the market. It just makes markets dysfunctional.
0: Yeah, Russ, you know, you mentioned that a market needs buyers, sellers, cash, assets, trust. Obviously, this particular market didn't have enough cash, but what happens if this continues to be an issue is it starts to lose the other things like buyers and sellers and trust.
1: Well, so trust comes in two Two forms, and so you you know you talked about that hotel in Puerto Rico for real estate trivia, and is it that's the isn't that the one where we had dinner with uh, Simon Black, Robert Kiyosaki, and Peter Schiff, and talked Bitcoin?
0: That's the very one.
1: That's <laughs> the one. Boy, if I could go back in time, you know, uh, and Simon was there trying to tell us about Bitcoin, and Bitcoin was probably twenty cents, you know, and we just none of the old guys were were hearing it, but but you know Peter Peter's a guy that. You know, he wrote his book uh, Crash Proof in 2006. And he was basically saying, Hey, the financial system is unstable. This is not a sustainable model. You cannot have people continue to speculate on real estate using unvetted mortgage. This thing's going to implode. It's going to take uh, the bond market with it. And so he had it 100% right. So then uh, when it all blew up, he wrote Crash Proof 2.0 to kind of go back and now with the benefit of hindsight, illustrate how what he thought would happen and what really happened. And it wasn't 100% correlation, but it was pretty darn good. That was about the time we got to know Peter. And of course, everybody was very interested in what he thought was going to happen next. In 2012, he wrote his follow-up book called The Real Crash. And the reason he wrote that book is because the crash that happened in 2008, Peter said, that's not the real crash. The real crash is going to be what happens as a result of what the Fed and the central banks do trying to fix this initial crash, which is going to be small potatoes compared to the real crash. And so it's interesting, and I don't know, Robert, if you've been noticing this, but Peter's been showing up in a lot of places. He's been on Fox Business. He's been on RT. He's been, I think he was on MSNBC.
0: You know, that is another sign that we may be nearing the top. (laughs) When when we're not at the top, nobody wants to hear from Peter.
1: Well, Peter's vindicated right now. He said the Fed was not going to be able to continue quantitative tightening. They were going to have to back up. They were not going to be able to normalize interest rates. They were going to have to reduce them, uh, they, you know, that they were going to have to grow their balance sheet, not shrink it. Uh, everything he said, he said gold uh, was going to catch a bid, and that certainly has happened. He
0: said all of those things on our show, among other places. Yeah, absolutely, he's been saying that.
1: And and he takes a lot of heat because you know he hasn't been right yet. And people like, well, you could have made a lot of money in the interim. Well, that's true. You know, if you could time when you're standing at the at the craps table, shooting dice, if you know right before this is the one that is going to cost me everything, and you don't throw them, that good for you. The, the problem is you don't know that. And if you stay too late, you miss. Now, th- this is this is the point. Peter Peter said, and if you haven't read it, you should read it. And if you really want to like talk about it, come to the New Orleans Investment Conference. Peter will be there. We'll all get into our suite. You can have a drink with Peter and ask him questions. Come on the Summit at Sea and hang out with him uh, because he's just a really, really smart guy and he's adamant. I mean, he sees things the way he sees things and he's willing to wait. But in this case, I think a lot of the things that Peter was concerned about are starting to show. And so with Peter having that concern, the the idea is that the Fed is going to print a bunch of money. And and here's the trust factor that kind of took me off on this tangent. The, The concern is it's going to take so much printing of money to paper over a bond implosion that it's possible or probable that people will lose faith in the currency. And this ties back into something else we've been talking about. This year and last year, central banks have been hoarding gold, buying gold, physical gold, at a faster rate than at any time since right after 1971 when Nixon took us off the gold standard and the dollar effectively crashed so we propped it up with the petrodollar and there's a whole history if you get our report real asset investing report we chronicle it and if you really want to go in depth we cover it more in the future of money and wealth series so realasset at realestateguysradio.com. you can get the report but it explains how all this happened well the reason after 2008 and this is just me in my opinion so take it for you know with a big chunk of salt but it seems to me that after 2008 About 2010, China started getting very vocal as the biggest holder of U.S. bonds, which are denominated in dollars, that if we continued to print money and run deficits, that the value of the dollar would fall. And so they began taking steps to diversify their exposure to dollar risk, not the least of which was accumulating gold. Russia has completely divested itself of virtually all its treasuries and has all of its reserves basically in gold. And many other countries have followed suit. And so when you think about currency and insider trading, who knows more about currencies than central banks? Right. And central banks are buying gold. So that's just a piece of the puzzle, right? It's a point on the curve. It's just a factoid. You know, that's one of the clues that we look at. It's like, hmm, okay, that's interesting. And then Peter said, they're going to print so much money that the world is going to lose faith in the dollar. And that's his basic investment premise. the Gold will catch a bid. Kind of has. And the next crash, when it comes, is going to start with a dollar shortage caused by the bond bubble imploding. And when you have bonds at negative interest rates and the only way you're going to make a profit as a bondholder is to sell it to a greater fool who will pay more, believing interest rates are going to fall further, common sense tells you that is not a sustainable game. At some point, the music will stop. Are we there, Nat? I don't know. But this is a big deal. And I think every listener that's out there that didn't live through 2008, really needs to wake up and understand what can happen. Those of you that did live through 2008, this is like deja vu all over again, but on steroids. Knowing what you learned in 2008, there are things you can and probably should do to be prepared just in case this is the real crash. It may not be, and I hope it's not. I hope it's just a little crash (laughs) because, you know, when things crash, they go on sale. And if you're prepared, it's a great wealth building opportunity because you can go into the marketplace and pick up bargains. But this is why we watch it. And this is why we hang out with people like Peter and go to places like the New Orleans Investment Conference and every year put on the Investor Summit at sea and go get the biggest brains we can. It's not just reading their books. It's not just listening to their podcasts. It's about getting in conversations with them, in-depth conversations, and being able to ask questions and process and talk to other people who have heard the same material. That's a level of learning. As much as we'd love you listening to the show, and we do, uh, and reading our reports, and we do. It's even better than sitting in an audience and just watching a speaker speak. I mean, it's having real-life conversations and processing stuff. This is probably... I I said... Two years ago, this is the most important summit we're ever going to do. But you know what? Now I think that right now the New Orleans Investment Conference and the summit at Sea in 2020 are probably going to be the most important events because this is kind of a big deal.
0: You know the way I look at Peter Schiff and the fact that he gets so much crap that he's you know predicted 19 of the last two recessions, which is what I always say about him, is this: it's like the guy that says you shouldn't smoke, you shouldn't smoke, you shouldn't smoke, and you smoke anyway, and you say, "Well, I'm not dead, I'm not dead, I'm not dead." And then one day it catches up with you and there's Peter going, told you, right? Here's the thing, his logic is sound. And the other thing is he dishes out medicine we don't wanna take. Nobody wants to hear that this thing's going down and the dollar's gonna be worth less and it's gonna, but if you can prepare for it, which is why we also have Chris Martinson and Adam Taggart on the summit. You can prepare for it. Life looks a lot better. We'll talk about what you do with this information when we come back. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Need help with your real estate investment
2: portfolio? Check out the resources page at realestateguysradio.com.
4: Real Estate Guys listeners, Are you tired of losing real estate deals due to financing issues? Have you had enough of waiting on banks, lenders, and investor groups to fund new projects? What if there were a way to eliminate all the hassle and invest in real estate on your own terms? I'm here to tell you there is. Patrick Donahoe here from Paradigm Life. I'm an Investopedia top 100 most influential financial advisor and I recently wrote a best-selling book about the financial strategy that changed my entire investment model and the one that could change yours. To get a copy of my book for free and learn how you can maximize your real estate portfolio by acting as your own bank, send an email to mybank@realestateguysradio.com. Don't make another real estate deal without reading my book first. Email mybank at realestateguysradio.com now to get your copy for free.
0: If you've been listening to The Real Estate Guys for a while, then you've heard about the legendary Investor Summit. Simply put, it's the highest level event we do and the content, faculty, and attendees are amazing. If you're serious about taking your real estate investment to the next level, consider joining us You'll spend more than a week with like-minded investors, world-class educators, and real-world professionals, and you'll have a blast. It all begins June 11th, 2020 in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Visit realestateguysradio.com and click the tab that says Summit to learn more and get on the advanced notice list. We'll spend two and a half days on land, learning and networking, then jump aboard a luxury cruise ship for more classes, roundtable discussions, great dinner conversations, and a ton of fun. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click Summit and make plans to hang out with the Real Estate Guys and an all-star faculty on the 18th annual Investor Summit at Sea.
1: Hi, this is Garrett Sutton, Rich Dad's advisor.
3: Remember, equity happens, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys.
1: Welcome
0: back to The Real Estate Guys radio program, now in our 22nd year of broadcast. Oh my goodness. Hey, if you're still trying to figure out what you're gonna be when you grow up, come on out to create your future. It's our 2020 goals retreat. Happens at the beginning of the year, the third weekend in January. All the details at our website at realestateguysradio.com under events. It's Clues of the News. We're talking about the uh, Fed's moves recently and the liquidity crisis at the overnight level and the big question about all this stuff, Russ, is okay. I get that, but... We don't know when. We don't know exactly how. What are the things people can do, real estate investors, to prepare for what may be ahead?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I think the the first thing, and we're big proponents of it, obviously, is education. Yep. And education is not just in consumption of knowledge and perspectives, but it's processing and thinking and conversing and rubbing your brain against other people's brains. So I think we've covered that, but that's where it starts. The second thing is pay attention. Uh, We obsess about the news, and fortunately, we've built it into a business, and so we get to pay attention to the news, which we would do anyway, and we think about the things we're hearing and network with smart people to process, uh, which we would do anyway, and then we share those ideas with you because we have a couple of microphones, but we encourage you to do the same thing. Start a study group pay attention and get get yourself in groups. So those are just, you know, kind of at the at the mental level. Yeah. Beyond that, I mean from a practical portfolio uh, management standpoint, we have a situation right now where you can lock in low rates for the long term right now. I would be taking advantage of that. The, the, the second thing is, is we have uh, what some people would call an equity bubble in real estate in many markets, uh, but that's real dollars if you convert them into real dollars. So I would take the combination of cheap interest rates and equity and pull some of that equity out and get liquid. Now, how do you hold the liquidity? Maybe you want to use dollars. Uh, dollars are going to become very valuable before they become worthless because what will happen is everybody will be selling everything to raise dollars. And the people who understand that they're doing the opposite of what they should be doing will be trading their dollars for those things that are being sold. And that's that's the difference. People who don't understand what's happening will be selling things of real value to collect more and more paper. And then, you know, if it goes to its ultimate conclusion – and believe me, I'm not saying that the United States is going to become Venezuela or Zimbabwe – you know or Weimar Germany but the principle there is that everything becomes more scarce because because everything has gotten sold and and the people who are going to buy it have hoarded it because they they understand what's going on okay so there's just an opportunity so anyway the point is you can create some liquidity and then you may want to store some of that liquidity in something that allows you to pivot to other currencies so if you think of like gold as home base if you, if you were to take some cash and put it into gold and treat gold as your home base, then you could pivot into yuan, you could pivot into euros, you could pivot into Swiss francs, you could pivot into dollars, you could pivot into you know yen, whatever currency that you think would make sense for whatever type of transaction you want to do. Right now, everybody uses the dollar as home base. But the concern is, is if people lose faith in the dollar and that's your home base and you don't have an alternative, then you could have a problem. And one of the things we talk about a lot at the New Orleans Investment Conference is just the difference of a paradigm of having a dollar-centered view versus having a gold-centered view. And it doesn't mean that you don't have both and both aren't valuable. They are, but it's just understanding. So if you don't understand all that, spend some time getting educated, but that that would be something. And then then when you just look at your portfolio – I think just make sure you've tightened it up. If you've locked in your long-term interest costs, which is your biggest expense, pay attention to cash flows, making sure that you're taking good care of your tenants, good care of your team, uh, that you uh, have tightened up your operations, that you don't have a lot of fat, uh, so that you're lean, so that if tough times come, we do have a recession or whatever could happen, that you have the ability to be more attractive to people who are trying to find a way To continue to maintain a lifestyle with less resources. We're still fans of affordable markets, affordable product niches uh, that cater to, you know, where people are really at. And then also focusing on demographics, geographics, and product niches that are likely to attract the people who are going to have money. That's why we talk about things like resort properties and vacation properties and, and residential assisted living. These are things that are going to be high priority to affluent people. You may not get their home rent, but you can find a way to derive income through your real estate when you find ways to serve them in other aspects of their lives. So these are all things you could be doing. And you know what? To Simon Black's point, if, if you're prepared and nothing happens... How are you worse off?
0: Exactly. So we don't pay attention to the news so that we can go out and slit our wrists or decide that it's party time. It's just so we can be prudent as we look ahead. There's been times in the economic cycle where we've said almost the same thing. Hey, this would be a good time to harvest some equity to go buy more property. Well, right now is probably a good time to harvest some equity so you have some cash. So you got to figure all that out when it comes to your staying power and your long-term prognosis and where you are in your life as a real estate investor. But hopefully this has been somewhat illuminating. We've got a series of amazing guests coming up in the coming weeks. You're going to love these folks. Some are people you know, some you haven't met yet, but you're going to dig it. We've got lots of great interviews coming up. Until next week, go out and make some equity happen.
2: This episode of the Real Estate Guys Radio Show is brought to you by Paradigm Life, powerful cash management strategies using life insurance. Learn more at beyourbank.com. Mid South Home Buyers, low cost, turnkey cash flow properties in Memphis, Tennessee. Corporate Direct, asset protection strategies for real estate investors from attorney and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton.